0: Good evening, everyone. Good day, wherever you're at. I hope that you're all well and continue to be well. I received my uh, second inoculation this week, and uh, I feel fine, Baruch Hashem. Uh, I hope uh, everything will turn out well for everyone. I heard uh, quoted in the name of uh, Joel Lieberman this week a very uh, short and pithy understanding of life, in which he reportedly said uh, that it takes three years to learn to speak, but then it takes another 70 or 80 years to learn to be silent. This week's Parsha deals with silence. And uh, it uh, has a great message I feel for all of us. The truth of the matter is that uh, life is so wondrous and that we're surrounded by such uh, events We say it in our dawning, Shabbatho, Yom, the Secho, the Flosecho, that accompany us, Erev Avokivit Soroyim, morning, noon, and night. So we should be speechless. In recognizing miracles that happen, we should be speechless. I remember that uh, I've been uh, blessed to be uh, at Victoria Falls a number of times in my life. Victoria Falls makes Niagara look like a trickle. The roar of the falls is enormous. The spray from the water hitting the bottom And then ascending creates a rainforest in the middle of uh, a climate in Africa that otherwise cannot support the rainforest. And the thing that I noticed is that when everyone stands at the falls, they are silent. Of course in our time uh, the the ubiquitous cameras are always going, but basically it's it's so awesome there's nothing to say and whatever you say is banal, what are you going to say look at all that water? of the pulse God for your works and accomplishments that we are witness to the thing that is most fitting is Dumiya silence because anything that will be said will diminish and not enhance the great wonder that we are privileged to see and be part of. So in this week's Parsha, the Jewish people are redeemed from Egypt. Next week's Parsha will be Ozyoshir. The Jewish people will sing The next week's parsha will be Yitro. The Jewish people will accept the Torah, and we accept the Torah so then there's kolos of and the Jewish people shout, Nasev and and Moshe Yadaber veloim Yannenu bekol. So next two weeks, there's a lot of noise. Muforshin comment on this. This week's Parsha when the Jewish people leave Egypt they don't sing. The immediate effect of the Makath Bechoros is just the opposite. The Torah tells us even the dogs don't bark. There's a Tzolko in B'Mitzrayim The Egyptians are shouting. They are moaning because of what the plague has done to them. Decimated their firstborn. But the Jewish people are quiet. Moshe has nothing to say. They don't sing then. The greatest moment of freedom in the history of the Jewish people, perhaps in the history of all civilization. The praise, the praise of God is silence. The dogs shouldn't even bark. The Medrash uh, tells us. Uh, that uh, I mean, the Talmud tells us that the dogs were rewarded because uh, non-kosher meat that says like left Ashlichim mm-hmm. also the tree for meat should be dog food, but the dogs were quiet. Because sometimes something is so awesome that the only response is quiet. When it will come to Har Sinai the Neforshin point out the famous idea there's the Luchas Rishonos, the first Luchas that were given to Moshe. They're given with great fanfare. Again, they're given, as I mentioned, kolos of broken thunder and lightning, volcanic uh, eruptions. There Moshe speaks. Come the Jewish people hear y'anen of the kol. We hear, so to speak, the voice of God itself. And then what happens is that the Jewish people build the golden calf. Moshe disappears for 40 days. The Jewish people are not known for their patience. They end up making a golden calf. Moshe comes down from the mountain. Again, the whole story that we'll discuss when we get to those barships. He goes back up the mountain, and he receives the luchos Shneos. He receives the second luchos. Now the first luchos are shattered. By Ashlichim, he threw them down. Even though the luchos, so to speak, had the script of the Almighty itself inscribed upon it. Moshe throws it down. The pieces are shattered. The second little house, there is no fanfare. There's no ceremony. When Moshe descends, on Yom Kippur, with the second luchos, there is absolutely no noise. The second luchos are received in silence. There's no song of ecstasy. There's no volcanic eruption, no lightning, no thunder, nothing. And those are the luchos that remained, that survived, that were in the first temple in Jerusalem. And we are told. Luchos reshivrei luchos munachim That in the holy ark, there were these luchos neos, the second set of tablets, and the shattered pieces of the first. So all of the first and ask, what do you need the shattered pieces of the first? The person has a beautiful... Uh, artifact in his house that's very delicate it's made out of porcelain made out of glass very fragile and unfortunately it breaks nobody keeps the fragments you get a broom you sweep it up if you want to you replace it if it's replaceable, but you don't keep the broken pieces. Why should they have kept the broken pieces, the shattered pieces from the first luchos? What value are they? What's the message here? So the message is the same message that exists regarding the fact that the dogs didn't bark. The fact that at Yitzhiya and nothing was said. It happened without fanfare. And the Torah wanted us to remember that the reason these pieces are shattered and these luchos are not shattered, so even though they share the same physical space within the ark, there's a difference between them. The second luchos are whole. The first luchos are only fragments. And the reason that they're fragments is because it's the publicity that destroys the task always was and always is in Jewish life how to achieve silence especially in front of God forbid tragedies and challenges the Torah says by our own none of an view were destroyed It says, Vahidom Aaron, Aaron was silent. That's all the Torah says. Doesn't speak about consolation. And Aaron undoubtedly had a lot of questions, as all of us have questions. Basically, all of us think that life is unfair. Too many uh, difficult things are experienced. And if we look at Jewish life and Jewish history over the ages, what warranted all of this? Where is the great city? And that, that, you know, that a million and a half Jewish children under the age of 12 should be done to death. What did they do? Our own, our own so the whole idea that we are to learn from Chayim, the Jewish people had questions. You could have taken us out a long time ago. Why do you have to wait that somebody were destroyed in Egypt? Why did you allow us to suffer so? What did we do? Why did you tell Abraham Avinu that they're going to be enslaved? What? Where? Why? Are we worse than the Canaanites or the Philistines who never were enslaved in Egypt? Novi phrases it, We find that in the Torah and Parsha's Mitsov. What what's, what is all of this fury about? So even though that question is omnipresent, that the Jewish people ever asked it, never made an issue of it. Persevere. moved on. It doesn't mean that the question disappears. And it doesn't mean that the question is not legitimate. And it doesn't mean that anyone that asks it is somehow a sinner. God forbid. The question is alive and kicking. But Vahido, ability to be silent. So uh, when we look at the Torah, the, uh, there are many, many reasons that are advanced for the redemption of the Jewish people. And there are many reasons that are advanced as to why they went into slavery. So we found that Moshe Rabbeinu said, o no da when Dosun Baviram informed upon him to Pharaoh, to the Egyptian authorities, he said, now I understand. What did he understand? A well, simple explanation is... Uh, that uh, he understood why he was gonna be arrested and persecuted because they told the Egyptian police the story. The Medrash Rashi explains that oh, no da it's known. Now I understand why the Jewish people somehow have to suffer because they inform on each other. They can't keep their mouth shut. In Jewish tradition even till today and it's very hard in our world to uh, deal with this because uh, the halachic parameters are not that clear and people take the law into their own hands both ways but in Jewish tradition the, the the most treacherous of all crimes was to be a Mosser, to be someone that gave over Jews that informed on Jews. That's a sin of speech. You didn't do anything. But nevertheless, you should have been silent. Since you weren't. So then the sin is attributable to you and you're held accountable for it. So the Torah comes to teach us that even the dogs were silent because the dogs would have barked, the Egyptians would have sensed that something is going to happen here. Or perhaps if the dogs would have barked, Parah would have said, it's nothing, it's a plague. You know, it's natural. You see, the dogs understood that it's coming. So I'm not going to let you go. The dogs were silent. The Nobody said anything. And even when they were freed the Torah does not record for us any verbal reactions the verbal reaction will be at Yom because there that's a different type of wonder there is a Yerush Hashem type of wonder So that's why tefillah is with the mouth. We express it. There are parts of tefillah that we do not fulfill our obligation unless we say it loud enough that at least we can hear it. Because that's praising God. In essence, uh, prayer itself is not that we're asking God for anything. Because who are we to ask? But in effect, we are praising God. In the merit of our praising God, then we hope that He will bless us with health and with the prosperity, and with all the things that we wish that make up human life. but prayer in Jewish life is the essence of prayer is prayer, praise of God. So we find that in the shira of Yosher, we find it in the shira of Dvorah, We find it in the Shira of David HaMelech. It's all God-centered. We're not talking about ourselves. And therefore, it's interesting that the mitzvah of the night of Pesach, of the Pesach Seder, is Lesapir. To say the story. We're supposed to say something. We're supposed to say the praises of God. We're supposed to somehow sum up the historical experience in our own personal lives. Something which is extremely difficult to do. No, one, no nation has been successful in doing it. But we have Sipu Yitzhiya mitzrayim, Seder night, Mitzvah Elena there. Even though we know it, that everybody knows about it, that not, you're not adding anything, no, you have to say it. So this brings us to another important idea that the human beings were not born to be mute. They were born to say things. Now we were born not to say things too. That's Lashon Hara. My father-in-law, blessed Ever, who knew the Chavitzayim, always used to say to me that the Havetz was uh, a very valuable person. He always spoke. Spoke to people. He spoke publicly. He was always speaking. So we would expect that somebody that wrote a book about Lush and Oroa would be quiet. Farno pointed out that he always spoke. Whatever he spoke was measured was correct, was Torah, was meant to inspire others. It was Tov. So there's silence, which is great and necessary. And the less we say, the better off we are, that's for sure. I would mention that milo besela, shtiko betrei. Spoken word can be worth a it can be worth a uh, hundred shekel, but silence is worth twice as much. But, we are not bidden to be silent on of the gifts that the Lord gave us. Is ruach mamalula the ability to speak? So, like everything else in life, it's the choice when to say and when not to say, what to say and what not to say. So sometimes silence is uh, exactly what one should say. Chazal tell us that uh, if we visit the house of a mourner so we, the guests should not, the visitor should not talk unless the mourner talks, unless the mourner opens the conversation I have been unfortunately at homes where uh, No one said anything. People came, they sat, they were quiet, and they got up and left. That also is consolation. And I've been at homes when people say the most banal things that they think they're comforting others and instead uh, they're reopening the wound. Well, that's measured that requires sense and sensitivity. But the Torah gave us an example of that with Yitzhiyah's Mitzrayim. That in Yitzhiyah's Mitzrayim, the answer was silence. Even the dogs should be silent. The response is, O'shir ala Hashem ki go go. I praise God. Praising God, there there is no measure of silence anymore. There we want the expression. And that's the Seder night, is the praise of God. Memory is godliness. Jewish memory is remembering God. Have that all the time, So Remember, always remember, because then God is present. You forget, so then unfortunately you forget God as well. And unfortunately, in our generation, uh, there are numerous, numerous examples. But it's a powerful lesson from the Parsha. One that we should try and remember. We should value our silence. We should appreciate it. There were Jews that on Shabbat didn't speak. Because they felt that enhanced their Shabbat. Certainly saying banal things on Shabbat is contrary Shabbat. So we say in Shkui Hashmah, these words that I command you, I command you to say these words. Has to be a reason for everything that we say. It has to have a purpose. We all know that words cannot be retracted, and therefore we have to be doubly careful about regarding it. So if the dogs were silent, that's a lesson that we can learn from them a lesson that we can appreciate in all aspects of life. By the way, I want to thank uh, the sponsors of this uh, cheer tonight, uh, Carl and Sarah Markowitz, my good friends from Muncie. I'm most appreciative of their friendship, and I thank them for sponsoring this uh, tour tonight. Saturday night, we have a lecture on... Uh, how the Tanakh views war and peace. And uh, I hope that you'll be able to tune in and listen. Meanwhile, have a Shabbat Shalom and stay well. And thank you, thank you for listening. Call to Himself.